Hi there, this is Watchin, and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. This episode is brought to you by the Review Planner. Our performance review planner just got promoted with six brand new and bossed up planner sections to help guide you towards a promotion with confidence. So if you've ever felt like you've been outworking others but not being recognized, like you've been offended, outraged, or disappointed during at least one performance review, like you just are not being seen and recognized for the work that you do at work, then this planner is for you. If you do not already have a performance review planner, head on over to choosealadder.com and get your planner today. So I have been thinking about what I want to talk to you all about in this episode. And there's a theme that keeps coming up that I think that we all deal with at at varying levels, um, depending on where we are professionally. But it is something that everyone um, who works in the corporate space, and I know that every Black woman that I know deals with, and that is dealing with disrespect and being undermined at work. And so today I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the realities of what being disrespected at work can look like for some people, the experience and validating the experiences um, of employees who have to figure out how to remain professional in the face of disrespect, right? Because the consequences um, are different based on who you are in the workplace. And then giving you all some some tools, some solutions, um, some resources that you can uh, work at and get better at over time so that your response to disrespect or your response to being undermined maybe isn't as explosive um, as the potential for it to be exists, right? Um, So we've had two kind of high profile um, reactions to disrespect at work. So the first one is for Judge uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. If you watched her confirmation hearing, you know that um, there was a lot that was thrown her way. Um, People challenging her who didn't have the level of expertise, the experience or any of that stuff, but they felt emboldened because of the power that they had and the title that they have. And this is not to say um, she did not uh, deserve to be questioned and her record did not deserve to be questioned because she is a Black woman. What it is to say, though, is that the lines of questioning, the ways in which people responded to her, and then the flip side of that is how she then had to remain composed and remain um, remain held together because we didn't want or she didn't want the story to become her reaction to things as opposed to keeping you know, focus on what the job at hand was. And I think that's a very familiar scenario to Black women all across this country um, who have had, maybe not in such a, a highly visible way, but who have had similar experiences in the workplace. And I think for us, right, we have... Um, we have had other confirmation hearings to juxtapose this with, right? And so if you look at Kavanaugh's, um, Judge uh, Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing, he got to experience and display a range of emotions as the lines of questioning came his way, right? He was angry. He was yelling. He was crying. He was doing, there was a lot of theatrics involved on his part when he felt like the line of questioning that he got was unjustified or or unfair or um, misplaced or misdirected, right? But there is no one in this country who can honestly say that had Judge Jackson responded in the way that Kavanaugh did, that the narrative would not have been about how she was angry or how she was all of those things. Um, And knowing that as a Black woman, Right. In the face of some really, really unfair um, 
critiques, questioning some really uh, off the wall questions, right? She remained composed. She remained, um, she remained professional, right? Even when the things that were being said about her and to her um, were really disrespectful. And I think that as we talked about this on social media, there was a level of recognizing, of, of acknowledgement from Black women all across the interwebs, right? There are times where there's a video that I saw of like the judge's different size or looks and every Black woman was like, yeah, we know that look. Yeah, we know that. We know that sigh. Yeah, we know that. Um, we know that um, that um, that emotion, right? Because it's something that Black women with seats at tables, right? Where others may feel like they don't belong or others may feel like they should be somewhere else. Like there are times where we are questioned and we are uh, critiqued, even if you have the degrees, even if you have the work experience, even if you have the credentials, and sometimes even if you have advocates and sponsors within your organization, there's still the there's still this sense that your colleagues, regardless of their position, regardless of their status within the organization, feel emboldened and empowered to challenge Black women at work in a way that they don't do for their colleagues, right? And because it's not the experience of everyone else within the organization, sometimes it's hard to understand or, or to even empathize with. And then the the response is like, oh, maybe you misunderstood that person or, oh, maybe that wasn't their intention. And it's always that the black woman, right, it seems has to give everyone else the benefit of the doubt when the situations are reversed. We don't necessarily get that same level of grace. Right. And so if you are someone who isn't black, who is um, managing a team that has black women on there or that is a diverse team, you have to know that even if their experiences are different than yours, it does not make their experience not true or not valid, right? You may just need to do a little bit of work to try to understand the experiences of people who are different than you in the workplace. Um, and I know that there are times where unintentionally, right? So it's not a malicious thing where people's feelings get invalidated at work where Black women have to put on a happy face and still do the work, even though they've been challenged and questioned and questioned and questioned in a way that they know that people with similar titles would not be, right? Because they see it, they work with them, they're in meetings together. And there's the level of frustration of not being able to verbalize how you feel without fear of retaliation, fear of being blacklisted. We hear all the time about, you know, Black women and their attitudes or being difficult to work with and all those things. And the conversation is never around the source that then causes or that then has that reaction be what it is, right? The second high profile thing that we just saw about being disrespected at work, which I won't get into a ton, um, just because I don't, I mean, I have no words, I'm still processing, but the Will Smith um, Chris Rock Oscar situation that just happened. And I think that that is, in my opinion, um, a response of like a bunch of holding on to feelings of disrespect, feelings of, of being, you know, overlooked, seen, whatever the case may be for Will, that he then responded in an emotional way at a situation that did not warrant that response, right? But I think usually the thing that causes people to snap or, or, or to say or do things that are not appropriate is not just that thing. And so you may have the Black employee at work who finally like stands up for themselves in, a, in an environment or in a moment where everybody else is like, why is watching tripping? 
but it's not typically that moment that causes or that elicits that response. It's the years of being undermined. It's the years of fighting for a seat at the table. It's the years of feeling disrespected. It's the years of feeling not valued, not seen, not protected, not advocated for that causes most employees who snap to snap. And this is not to justify people snapping. It's to say that we have to understand what leads to moments like the ones at the Oscars. And even though they're not justified and they should not happen, there are reasons, right, that we should try to understand so that we are uh, forming solutions for the root of the problems, not just the symptoms and the reactions to the problem, right? We tend to do that because it's the easy thing. It's like, oh, this person was wrong, but we don't talk about the years and years that we let that employee get abused at work because that's just how their manager is, or that's just how the culture is. And so we have to start taking a look at what environments we've created that our employees have to then endure in an effort to fit in or in an effort to belong in places that don't necessarily honor the voices in the existence of these people, right? And as a Black woman, y'all have heard the stories, y'all heard ad nauseum my stories around, you know, the things that have happened at work, the things that have happened, that have been said to me, the things that were said to me when I got my scholarship to undergrad, like I can go back and back and back around all of the times where I was questioned or disrespected or, and, and how I had to choose to respond in terms for like self-preservation, right? Like I know that I'm not allowed Kavanaugh type responses. It's just not the same reality, right? And so know that as, as we think about the ways in which we engage with each other in the workplace, right? It's a history of things that have been done to people of color, specifically Black women for the purposes of this podcast episode, that then can lead to people disengaging from your teams, people not wanting to contribute in meetings, right? And understanding that long-term, the impact, the negative impact is to them and to their careers, right? But there are reasons why the Black folks in your on your in your organizations and on your team, come to work, do their jobs, go home. They don't want to go to happy hours. They don't want y'all to get to know them because it's it, it's a response to environments that have been created where they may be othered or they may feel like they're not seen or they're not valued. And we have not given them, given them or their managers the tools to deal with um, disrespect and being dismissed and dishonored in the workplace. And I think as leaders of organizations who are trying to create environments that are multicultural, more inclusive, involves people with different work and life experiences, right? It is up to us to make sure that we are validating the experiences of all of our employees, even though they might be different than ours, right? And so a couple of things for people, right, who are in spaces who may feel like they've been ignored, they've been, you know, disrespected, and they may not necessarily have the language um, to deal with it. Because I think one of the one of the things that I want everybody to understand is that there are certain things that happen at work, and then there are certain things that happen outside of work. And it could be the same things, but the, re- the, re- the response is going to be very, very different, right? So for example, if somebody had disrespected Will's wife in the streets, his response m- may have been what what was happening at the Oscars, but we have deemed this as as a society, right, that it is inappropriate for it to happen in that place on that stage. And so the response is different, right? And there are people who may not know how to separate that, right? For them, disrespect is disrespect and how they deal with disrespect anywhere is the same. 
And that may just be how they've been conditioned. So we have to be mindful of that and give people the resources and the training that they need to be to be on both sides of it. One, to not be disrespecting people at work because of a title or whatever perceived power you want, you have, but then also for your employees, give them the resources that they need and the training that they need and the development that they need so that they can set appropriate boundaries, right? And have the language to have the conversations when there are things that are happening within the walls of your organization that they feel like puts them in a position where they are being devalued and seen as less than valuable or less than human and therefore not warranting the level of respect that their colleagues get. And so a couple of things, if this is you, so one, I would say, do not ignore the disrespect, right? We always say that we train people how to treat us. And so if someone is being disrespectful or undermining you, right, you want to call it out in the moment and not in a, I'm going to punch you or slap you in the face type way, in a holding people accountable for the ways that they treat you and the language that they treat you, right? That they, in the language that they use with you. And I think sometimes, right, I always say that we want to assume positive intent. So sometimes a lot of that stuff can be unintentional. And if you don't hold people accountable for it, right, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. Sometimes they do know and holding them accountable lets them know that you see them and you know what they're doing and you're and it is not okay, right? But for folks who don't have the language, I would say get some advice on how to approach the situation. I told you all about the, the comment that someone made about why I had my job, I talked to a mentor about it, right? To say, hey, here's what happened at work. Here's how I want to approach it. I know that it's not right. And so I'm coming to you for some counsel as someone who has dealt with situations similar to mine in your professional life, right? And she was able to give me the language because for me, right, I am very, very professional. I've had all the training in the world, but there's just certain boundaries that I don't think people should cross, right? Especially as it pertains to me, because I don't disrespect people at work. And so I expect to be treated with the same level of respect as I give to others. And so when I feel like someone is being intentionally malicious or intentionally hurtful, right? It elicits a certain response within me. But because I've been in court, I was in corporate for so long and I've had so much training on all that stuff. I know that I cannot respond instinctually to those types of situations because there are long-term like consequences for that. And so I, I would seek counsel to say, hey, I still need to establish this boundary. I still need to hold this leader accountable for the way that they engage with me. What is the most effective way to do that? Because as I tell y'all all the time, you have to keep your desired outcome or your desired result in mind when you're having these conversations, right? Like you can't just, uh, like for Will, you know, maybe his, his uh, desired response was to put people on notice that they're not going to keep doing whatever he feels like they're doing to him. And maybe he was willing to endure the consequences. I don't know. But for a lot of us, right, we are not movie stars and, and all of those things. And so as you're thinking about your career, you have to think long-term about the implications of how you respond to things. That does not mean don't respond. It does not mean don't hold people accountable. It means be strategic about your approach. And I know that folks are like, watching. we are human. We should not have to be doing all of this and dealing with all this. And I get that. And I'm not saying that it's right. What I'm saying is as corporate America stands today, there are going to be certain reactions to things that have long-term consequences, and you have to be aware of that and weigh the costs before you respond. Until corporate changes, that's the game that we're in. Um, I would say if someone is being disrespectful to you, you want to have a conversation with them one-on-one -on -one and get, get to the root of why it's happening 
And you can't go into that conversation with, I feel like you're disrespectful. You have to have concrete examples, repeated examples of things that have transpired over time that you feel like have crossed a boundary and then work in partnership to make sure that that person understands the boundary and you agree on how you're going to act moving forward. So that if this occurs again, they know how you're going to respond. You know how, uh, you know how you're going to respond. And then you can move forward from a place of understanding. But again, you need to have, be mature enough to have convert like honest, real conversations And for the people who are managers, you have to be ready to be held accountable for how you treat the people who work for you, right? We often forget that, yes, we may have the titles and all of the the visibility, but it's our teams, right, that make all of that possible. And so if you're doing something to hurt members of your team, you should be willing to hear that feedback and then adjust accordingly. Um, Another thing I would say is if you're dealing with disrespect at work, you want to know what the process is. What is the process of documenting the things that happen? Is it conversation first, email, then HR? Is it conversation with your boss and their boss? Like, what is that process? So that you make sure that you're following what you're supposed to be doing and documenting in the ways that you're expected to. So that if anything does happen, right, it is covered. You know, you all know that I say one of the unwritten rules of corporate America, if it's not written down, it didn't exist. Right. And so I would have an in-person meeting and then follow up with a recap in email just so that we both are on the same page. There are no misunderstandings so that if the situation occurs again, you have something to refer back to and say, hey, watching, here's what we agreed on last time when we discussed this. That's not what's been happening. Right. And you can hold people accountable for that. And granted, it doesn't always work out in that way in the perfect like, you know, you have a meeting and people stop immediately and all those things. But at least you have the proper documentation and you're going through the appropriate channels that have been set up by your organization so that if anything does happen, it's clearly documented. Um, I would say another thing is that you want to be clear about what your boundaries are. Um, And there are certain things that we are like, you know, it's clear disrespect. Like, for example, don't talk about people's wives and children, right? Like that should be a clear, like, avoid those at all costs or don't be demeaning or condescending in your language when you're talking to people right? That should be clear. But for everybody, it's not, right? And everybody has different lived experiences. Everybody has different boundaries. And so as you start to become clearer in your boundaries, it's your responsibility to communicate them to the people who may have an opportunity to cross some of those boundaries. If they don't know, you can't hold them responsible for the impact or or what happens, right? Because they just didn't know. And so make sure that you are clear on your boundaries, that you've clearly communicated them um, to to the people that you work with, the people that you live with, um, and so that everybody's on the same page about what you think is acceptable and okay and what is not, right? But one of the things I will say before I, I close this out is that like disrespect at work is going to happen. It's a bunch of people with different experiences, different expectations, different work styles all together in the same place, right? So just assume that it's going to happen. Your job is to be prepared to deal with it in a, in a way that doesn't have lasting negative consequences for you and your career, right? So the language, the, the, the development, the understanding and the clear communication, all of that stuff, yes, and, and I will say this for the millionth time, it is not right to be disrespected at work. It's not okay, right? It's not okay to be put in situations where you, where you always have to be like the one you know, calling people out and doing those things. It's exhausting. I get it. Right. But what I'm saying is disrespect at work will happen and it'll happen sometimes very blatantly. And sometimes it may look like, you know, 
someone asking you to do something that they would never ask someone of your same title or experience to do and you having to push back, right? It could look like, you know, being labeled as angry when you were literally just trying to share how you feel. It's, you know, or challenging something that was not fair or wasn't right. I get that. And I get that it is hard to keep your composure when you feel like everyone else gets to be, um, gets to while out at work, right? Everybody who doesn't look like you gets to do the things that they want and say what they want. And they are honored and they are given grace and they are, you know, validated in their feelings, right? I get that. But as corporate America stands today, as we work towards a place where everybody feels valued, there are just going to be extra steps that we have to take if we want to remain in those environments and maintain our sanity, all of us, right? And so make sure that you're not letting disrespect pile up and pile up without saying anything so that we don't have explosive moments at work where we're cussing folks out and and quitting on the spot and all of that stuff, right? Because sometimes, you know, it, it... Sometimes it'd be like that, right? But other times, if you can, I would say you want to make sure that you are um, proactively preparing to deal with this stuff because you know it's going to happen. Um, As always, if you want to keep the conversation going, feel free to connect with me on Instagram, my personal page at I See You Watching or the company page at I Choose The Ladder. And until next time, thank you for listening.